We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Vince, let's dive into questions. Okay. So let's let's I'm get on to, it. we got a lot of people asking questions. So let's which dive into awesome. that. Which is awesome. Uh <laughs> I I love I love the uh the fight back and forth between some of the guys about who was first into the room. Uh that that's pretty awesome. Okay. I, did you did you see my response, by the way? <laughs> technically you were first, and technically I was second. So there you yes. go. Um all right. Patrick McGrain has the first question. He says, uh pre-podcast off topic. If AM, Nebraska, et cetera, left the Big 12 to get away from Texas, any chance they all go back to the Big 12? And personally, I would love to see some defections from the SEC, yeah. uh, also from the Big 10, to go back to the Big 12 uh, yeah, so to kind of get the band Missouri back. Missouri and AM leaving the SEC and then Big. But they, I think even Texas AM. Texas A&M showed their cowardice today when they voted at yeah. 14 nothing for Texas and Oklahoma. Did they officially vote? I didn't see that. Okay. Yep. They voted today. It was 14 nothing, which means man. it's just like there's no – because then all they – hey, you know what? You can go back to the Big 12, and here's how much money you'd make. Here's how much money you're going to make playing for us. So it's just – it's all cowardice. It's it's all it's all about money. Um, yep, yeah, exactly. That, and that's disappointing because I would have – you know what? I would have loved to see Texas A&M step up and be like, hey – Arkansas, you know, hey Missouri, let's go. Let let's let's yeah. go back to the Big Twelve. Come to us. Because here's the thing: Big Ten hates Nebraska right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. they had all those issues last year with COVID and all those kind of right. things. The Big Ten's basically just screwing Nebraska now, giving them super hard schedules every year. Yep. And if I'm Nebraska, I'd say, look, you don't want us here. We don't want to be here. We're bouncing. Right. And all of a sudden, A and M, Missouri, Arkansas, and 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 uh, Nebraska go to the Big Twelve, and there you go. The problem is it'll never happen. Because they would all have to take ten plus million dollar cuts to make that move. Plus, there'd probably right. be buyouts involved. Sure. So, I mean, it, it just—it's not. Again, it's happen. all about—it's all about the money. It's, and now yeah. the SEC is a super conference, and here we go. That's and, sadly yeah. that's that's the reality. Of right. It. That's exactly right. Nolan, loving the topic today. Thanks, Nolan. We enjoyed it as well. I love the philosophical talk. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, Mike Gardner says, I just watched some of Cone's highlights at Wisconsin. I was really impressed by his ability to scan the field 
and snap the ball downfield. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what we've been trying to tell everybody. Thank you, Mike, for checking out film and backing up what we've been telling everybody from the get-go. And and frankly, not necessarily Notre Dame fans, because but you guys are educated. You guys understand it. But from a national standpoint, it's like this Jack Cohn fella was a backup who, you know, grad transferred over to Notre Dame and, you know, he doesn't have a track record and he just wanted to get out of Dodge. Or they went like, to the Rose Bowl in spite of him. Yeah, That's exactly. That I, it feels just, like some people think. I don't get it. I really don't get it. But, yes, thanks, Mike, for pointing that out because you are absolutely correct. Oh, they're talking about uh, somebody said Nebraska isn't – oh, Tommy Gunn said Nebraska isn't in the Big 12. And then Patrick says, I know, but would they leave the Big 10 to go back to the Big 12? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Old Tommy Guns jumped the gun a little bit on that one and uh, misread the question. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see – like, here's here's the ultimate – so, like, I don't care about Arkansas. I actually would not bring Arkansas. Arkansas was never in the Big 8 in the past. They were in the Southwest Conference. Sure. Now, sure. the South, a lot of Southwest teams went to the Big 8. But, what, to me, the originals are I'd love to see Nebraska and A&M come back. And A&M wasn't part of the Big 8, I don't believe, either. I think they were also in the Southwestern Conference. But they're they're a premier program. I would rather see, to me, the ideal scenario would be Missouri and Texas A&M went back to the Big 12, and then they went and got Nebraska and Colorado to get back to 12. I would rather yeah. see that right. than, than uh, Arkansas, just so because Arkansas, Arkansas feels more like an SEC program. I agree. I agree. Arkansas doesn't feel like a Big 12 program. Yeah, uh, and they never I – don't, I don't think they ever were in the Big – they were never, yeah. ever in the Big 12 because they sure. th- their departure to the South – I believe when they left the Southwest Conference, I'm, I'm going to check that out. But All right. um, they, when they left, they left the Southwest Conference, which for, forced some teams to join the, the Big Eight, okay. became the Big Twelve because of they adopted gotcha. some of those Southwest Conference teams. So um, yeah, they were. I don't believe they were ever in the Big Eight. Yes, they were an independent. From 1894 to 1914, that's when most teams were independent. And then they were in the Southwest (laughs) Conference from 1915 to 1991 and then joined the SEC in 1992. Yeesh. So, yep. Okay, let's see here. Uh, We've got, let's see, D. McNally. CBS Sports has announced C.G. Williams will announce on August 7th. I'm going to give you a shot to redo this one. Oh, Mac... uh, McAnally, right? <laughs> McAnally, McAnally. See, there you I go. messed it up, but last it's okay. time, it's okay. Apologize, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, he says CJ Williams will announce on August seventh. I believe this has to be good for the Irish. I believe um, so. Yes. Yeah, I, I would hope so. It's my anniversary, so it's got to be good. I, I've for the said Irish. all summer. If he decides this summer, I feel really good about where things stand for Notre Dame. Bingo bongo. I haven't changed my opinion of that. <laughs> D-Rock says uh, Notre Dame offense averaged 33.4 points per game last year, and that was with conservative play calling and putting the foot off the gas pedal. Yes, Coach Reese, aggressive and efficient. Need it this year. Agreed. Yeah, I I would say a little bit, though. um, I wouldn't necessarily say they did all that with an aggressive, you know, because I, I think, number one, you have to consider the fact that they scored basically 10 defensive points against Clemson. And had two touchdowns in overtime. Sure. Uh, so, so I mean, they 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 only scored twenty three regulation points on offense. I mean, twenty six technically, but I mean, one scoring drive they had negative yards of offense because of the fumble. Right. You know. So, so I mean that 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 
to me f- plays a little bit into that. Sure. It, it kind of adds to it. You know, you had um, you had a defensive touchdown against Pitt. Well, basically, you had three def- the defense set up three touchdowns basically against Pitt. Essentially, you know, so I wouldn't necessarily say that the offense scored 33.4 points per game in spite of, you know, because of this, this, and this. I mean, he's correct. I just would add a little bit of an asterisk to it. That a little context. Some of that, yeah. Like, like they scored 52 against South Florida, who stinks, but one of them was a special teams touchdown. I mean, they, ended up, they had an abnormal number of scores on uh, mm-hmm. things other than than uh, offense. And they had, like I said, they had 14 points in overtime against Clemson. So Sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Michael uh, Gatio says, how important do you feel a more aggressive approach on special teams can contribute to Notre Dame's overall explosiveness bk needs to insist on difference maker difference makers making plays on special teams punts especially you want to take a shot at that vince because i have a very strong opinion on this <laughs> no uh no i look i do i want them to be more aggressive on special teams absolutely i just i just don't know that it's going to happen and i they have the personnel to make it happen i think that they can make it happen i think that it can absolutely benefit the offense um i I just feel like i don't know that we're going to get both in the same year i don't know if we're going to get both an aggressive special teams and the change philosophy on offense all at the same time because i feel like that's almost too good to be true uh so maybe this is mr pess my my pessimistic side like coming forward like i'm feeling really good about where the offense is right now and i feel like if i ask for too much santa claus isn't going to give it to me so i'm going to stick with the (laughs) offense I'm going to say it's very important and it's needed. It needs to go hand in hand, in my opinion. I think that Notre Dame's special teams philosophy has been very similar to their offensive philosophy. Conservative. Don't make a mistake. And I'm all about not making mistakes. I don't want to make mistakes. But I think sometimes you can so paralyze yourselves and your players that about not making mistakes that you just don't take any chances. And I, I think we saw that a little bit at quarterback in recent seasons. And I'm not just talking about Ian Book. I think that's kind of partly what happened to Brandon Wimbush. And sometimes that can then force you into mistakes because, I mean, so it's just, you know, whatever. I wouldn't say that an aggressive approach on special teams can contribute to explosiveness because it's not necessarily the same thing. 
what I think aggressiveness can do can lead to you having having a a really dynamic scoring offense because you're going to do certain things. And there was a comment that Liam Gaming made a good field position by the D could be a big help as well. But I would argue argue that it's not the defense that gives you good field position except when they're forcing a turnover. It's right. the special teams that gives you good <clears throat> yeah. field position. Right. So you know you could pin a team at the fifteen yard line and they got a punt, but if they're if you're if they're getting a net forty plus yard punt, then your your impact on special teams is great. But you know if you have an aggressive special teams, for example, and hey, they know that we're coming after them, they're going to do one of two things: they're going to quickly get a punt off, or B, they're going to max protect a little bit more, sure. which then gives us a chance to maybe set up a return or the return aggressiveness. Yeah. Right. The aggressiveness can allow him to maybe kick a line drive punt and instead of now all of a sudden we're getting the ball to forty five yard line instead of sure. the the thirty. You know that that's a positive. That's a that's a win, and so uh, I don't know if special teams necessarily contributes to that. I mean. In regard to you, you know, even a great year on special teams is going to net you what two or three touchdowns. You know, maybe three or four at the end sure. of the year. That's not moving the needle from a pure point standpoint. But to his point, I think if you're really aggressive on special teams, it's going to set up opportunity for you to, to, to score more points. And it's also the the one part of it that is good is the coverage because if you're consistently pinning teams deep with your coverage, which Notre Dame has been. Ex- exceptional at in recent years yes absolutely uh, then then you're going to be a lot more effective uh in it from the standpoint of uh, of uh scoring more points mm-hmm. i think those things tie together you know so like if you're pinning teams deep and then your defense is good then they're kicking consistently from kind of their deep territory then you're going to have a lot more short fields i've pointed this out once before vince uh, and i'll say it again i was coaching at muhlenberg college one year and we averaged over 40 points per game going into the postseason, and then we scored 56 points in our first playoff game, most points we'd ever scored. We only averaged about 350 yards per game of offense that year. That's it. Because our average starting field position that year was the 48-yard, our own 48-yard line. Wow. Because we scored like five special teams touchdowns. We had a couple other touchdowns that were set up by short fields because our, our special teams was so good, but our defense was good at forcing turnovers. Right. And that's to the point that Liam Gaming was talking about is your defense, you know, picks a pass off. Like Notre Dame's offense was not great against Pitt. It wasn't great at all against Pitt. But they scored 45 points. Yeah. I mean, the offense averaged 5.2 yards per play. And and that's inflated by the fact they had like a 75 yard touchdown pass. They had two long touchdown passes in that game, which helped to, to Ben Skoranek. But overall, sure. they were very inefficient that game. Well, why did why were they able to score so many points? Because Defense and special teams gave them short fields. They had a block punt that game that set up a score. You remember that? Or no, they actually scored on special teams in that game. Correct? Didn't Foskey block a punt that game that they uh, that they scored on? I'm going to look it up here real quick. But Your I memory is way better like, than mine is. It was like 14-3 yeah. late in the first half, and Notre Dame blocked the punt. So, yes, it was it – was, no, it was 21-3. So, here we go. Notre Dame had two big plays early. They had a 75-yard touchdown pass, or excuse me, a 34-yard touchdown pass and a 73-yard touchdown pass. So 100 of your 434 yards were on two plays. It was 14-3. to three. It was a score with less than two minutes left in the half, 14-3. to three. Notre Dame picked off a pass, right? And let me see here. They, they picked off a pass. Let me go find the second quarter. Where are we at? Okay, they uh, – they, they, Clemson got the ball at their uh, – pick got the ball at their 
see here, their own 40-yard line, and they threw a pass. Bo Bauer picked it off and ran it back. So Notre Dame got the ball in pit territory, went down the field, scored uh, with – trying to see how much time was left. Scored with a minute 29 left in the half. Okay? Pitt gets the ball back. Brian Kelly, and this is some aggressiveness that I love, if you remember this, Vince. Brian Kelly calls a timeout to stop the clock with 20 seconds left. Now they're up 21 to 3. It you could just call, you could just let it play out. We're gonna go in, we're on the road. We're gonna sure. go in a halftime up 20. Brian Kelly calls timeout to force Pitt to punt. What does he do? They go after it. Block sure. the punt, recovered in the end zone. Now the game's over. I mean, it's twenty three. You're 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 winning. That's right. the kind that to me, that's aggressive. That's being right. aggressive exactly. on special teams. Yes. And so we've seen Coach Kelly do that. Now it's like it's the final piece of the return game. So we've seen some aggressiveness from Brian Kelly on special teams and coverage and plays like this. Now it's about okay, now that they know you're gonna do that, if they know you're gonna do that some more consistently, then they're gonna be a little bit more fear. And that's how you kind of your punters and to kind of shank some punts and all of a sudden you have a great field position. So defensive pen. So a game where you really had two big plays and that was it. I mean, you weren't doing anything on offense. A 14 to three game turns into a 28 to three game because of a turnover and a block punt. Right. I mean, so just like that, your offense hasn't done anything different and you're up 28 to three. Yeah. You know? And, and so yeah. to me, that's, that's how you look at it and say, yeah, those are things that can result in you scoring a lot of points. And you look at Notre Dame's second half touchdown drives. Notre Dame's Notre Dame scored 45 points. They all came in the first three quarters. They didn't score a point in the fourth quarter. Their last two touchdown drives covered 49 and 35 yards. They were off turnovers. Remember, Nick McLeod had a pick, and then Jeremiah Wusukoromoa had that pick on that wheel route. You remember that? Where he, he went up and caught it. So all of a sudden, you're, you're scoring a lot of points, and your offense isn't exactly moving. Imagine what Notre Dame could do if they had a defense and a special teams like that, but their offense was also more explosive. You're not only doing this to Pitt, you're doing this to everybody. Yeah, You're smashing people. And that's what had me excited about it. Matt Romero wants to know, can you walk around Notre Dame campus right now? I think so. I don't see yeah. why you couldn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I've taken my son there. We've kicked field goals out on the field. So uh, on the, the field's the north of campus. So yeah, you can walk around. Uh, I'm starting to like how every ranking and prediction for Notre Dame has them being eight and four or seven and five. Just keep doubting us. I, I don't agree. for the life of me. I do not get that. I have, I have, I, I'm telling you, Brian, I've, I've sat down and I've tried to figure out why eight, four, why seven and five. And I, I can't, I can't figure it out for the life of me. I cannot understand. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, keep it. Yeah. Keep doubting. It, it's strange. It's strange. I got one out here, Vince, from Michael Shea. Okay. So it's all about winning in the playoff uh, with Notre Dame and BK. Notre Dame has been closing the gap since Bob Davey. It's time for Notre Dame to step up and win one. I, I, I'm going to disagree with that. I don't, well, they haven't been closing the gap since Bob Davey. Yeah. they. De I mean, the gap widened when yes. Ty Willingham was here. And, and Charlie Weiss did some things from a recruiting standpoint that helped close the gap. But then that was negated by what he did as a coach. Uh, you know, I mean, look for three the three years prior to Brian Kelly arriving, Notre Dame had a losing record. So I, I wouldn't consider that gap closed at all. I, I I don't think the gap has really significantly been closed until the last four years. But the first part of what he said, I 100% agree with. And you're at the point now where okay, you've done all the understanding, you've made the playoff twice, 
that's not a cool thing anymore, it, right? right? That's exactly. okay. You, you've already shown you can do that. What are you going to do when you get there? It's time to win one of those. That's going to be that's going to be the big thing, in my opinion. Huron says, given our one-two punch at running back, how worried should we even be about the offensive line and the running and the wide receivers? Isn't the whole point of a great of great running backs is that you don't need a great offensive line for them to work? If you don't have a good offensive line in front of great running backs, it doesn't matter because <laughs> you're you're going to get stoned. It depends on your scheme. Yeah, I would say I mean, I, I'm a. Can I push back on that a little bit, Vince? Sure. I think for most of our lives, that's been true. I think that modern the modern game somewhat like for example, would you consider North Carolina as having a great offensive line? I think they were kind of average. Sure. But the combination of great running backs yeah. and a great scheme, which involves yeah. RPOs, misdirection, it created more spacing, and, and so. The offensive line was solid, but I mean, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, why didn't North Carolina win the Joe Moore Award last year? You know, who else had a two thousand yard runners? Yeah, uh, it, I think in, in modern football, you can protect. Now you can't be bad on the offensive line, so I, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't. But like in 2018, I didn't think Notre Dame's line was very good, and they went 12 and 0. And I think they did things that year scheme wise. Remember, they ran a lot of RPOs that year. We talked about this. There were times where Ian Book was like nine of 10, 10 of yeah, 11 on RPO sure. throws. Um, you know, and they did some of that stuff. And then once you space out, then all of a sudden Dexter Williams is ripping off a, a, a long run. And so I think that the modern game, and that's why RPOs are important, it can protect you from if you don't have a great line. And I think scheme wise, you can do things. I think read zones negate that sure. a little bit, RPOs sure. negate that. Now, so I, I don't think you necessarily need, and this is why I'm not as worried about 2021 if Notre Dame makes the adjustments that we're talking about because the way that the, the offense that Notre Dame ran last year, Vince, you're a thousand percent correct. And I know it's not a real thing, but I'm saying it anyway. Okay. I'll take it though. You're a thousand percent correct because you can't win with that offensive system without a great offensive line. In theory, however, you don't need a great offensive line to win, and we've seen Clemson won two national titles with mediocre offensive lines. They they did, mm -hmm. right? LSU's yeah. offensive line, which was really good, supposedly really good in 2019, and it was, was not very good in 2018, in my opinion. Right. So I think the scheme can protect the line more so. And to his uh, Heron's point, I do think that running backs can do that, but it can't. It's not just running backs, though. It's it's how you use the running backs. Because to right. Vince's point, is he is right that if you have two great running backs and a bad offensive line, you're not going to be a great running team. Just more often than not, you need other things schematically. You need a threat of the outside guys. You need receivers that can scare teams. Because if if your own line's not that good and your receivers don't scare people, I don't care who you have at running back. You're not running right. the ball. Pack it up and pack it right. up in the box. It's just like we talked about, right? I mean, you right. pack it up in the box, it's it's game over. So yeah. not only do you have to have decent receivers, you also have to have a quarterback willing to pull the trigger. And 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 sometimes that can make average wide receivers better, right? I right. mean, it just can't. Or so, a quarterback that's not willing to pull the trigger can make two, six, four guys that run four, four twos not as effective in big games. Hypothetically speaking. Of course it's hypothetical. That's we've never uh, seen that. The last part too is is I, I'm not really worried about the receiving core. I'm not. Me neither. Um one thing Dell Alexander has done a good job of throughout his career is by the time guys become seniors, they're pretty good. Yeah, right. And sure. all the Davis, Austin, Lindsey, Keys, they're all they're all 
seniors they've, now. They've been around. They've been around yeah. the program for a long time. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's time. I mean, yeah. it, it's absolutely time. So uh, I agree. And then Heron says, uh, "Love you guys. Also, you're the best. So appreciate thanks, you uh, for putting yeah. that out there. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate that big time." Tracy Tipton says, "Thumbs up, guys and gals. Great show as always." Richard Robinson. Uh, I feel like he's yelling at me with the caps, but I'm just saying. He always does that. I, he does it on YouTube and fa- I know, on Facebook as well. It doesn't mean anything by it. It's okay. I'm just like one of the – I'm like your dog at fireworks. Like I, I shudder. Like I get yelled at like by my wife. I just, you know. It's so. like that scene from uh, Wedding Crashers from that little kid runs up. He's like, make me a make me a bicycle, funny man. Come on, clown. <laughs> why, why, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> Shut up and do a funny guy. Yeah, that's a hilarious scene. <laughs> Love oh, that movie. Great. Why, why anyway, are you yelling at me? <laughs> I love that movie. So no, much. Richard is not. Richard's good, I'm good people. Uh, but he, it says RPOs would make a big difference when Lawrence returned for Clemson in the ACC title game. It opened up running lanes for ETN with our running backs. It would make the offense explosive. I, I would say I don't know if it was RPOs that made Clemson more dangerous with Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to somewhat disagree there. It was the fact that Trevor Lawrence could run. Because they ran RPOs against Notre Dame the first game and had some success with it. The difference was DJ Ungale, Uyung, that guy, Uyunglele, he was not going to run. Yeah. Whereas Trevor Lawrence is going to run, and he sure. did a couple times early, pulled the ball and ran, uh, had a long touchdown run. When you have that, it, it, and you're running RPOs, it makes your offense incredibly hard to stop. Notre Dame won't be doing that because. Jack Cohn is a good player. He ain't doing that. Now, when right. Ty, if, if Tyler Buckner ever tapes, takes over, different story. Because if you can run read zone and RPOs, it, it ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's going to make you really hard to defend. But you're not, but you can, you can live without our read zone nowadays because sure. of RPOs. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Nolan wants to know if we've heard anything about Kevin Austin and if he's full go for the season. I, I mean, last we heard was Brian Kelly's comments. What was it? Vince said his uh, little, his little, uh, oh, he, last golfing he thing, golf outing. Right? Yeah. Right. Sounds like he's on pace to be hundred percent by the time the season starts, but not when fall camp starts, which means he won't be fully in the, the flow. I, I don't th- see Kevin Austin playing 65 snaps in the opener. I just yeah, want him to be full speed and eventually work. Taking up to slow that. with him is the way to go, especially the way that the season plays out as far as the the schedule. Um, if you if you throw him in too early, he gets hurt again. He's out for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. slow playing him, I am totally fine with. <laughs> Let me be real clear on that. So, um, do you want to jump into all these teams to different conferences? And no, it's yeah, just so it's many rumors. rumors. Who knows what's going on with? I it. agree. I agree. I just wanted to just wanted to check. I, I love this one from Chile. Sup, IB Nation. Brian Drizzy as and my cousin Vinny. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I watched that again the other day. I've seen that movie Vinny. probably thirty times, and I laugh on that. My... Did you say Utes? <laughs> I don't know what I said. Utes. I don't know. Huh? Utes. Utes. Uh, OC Irish fan says, good Monday, gentlemen. Assuming the offense does what you've been discussing, how much do they unveil in the first game versus Florida State? Well, I think they're going to go into the Florida State game with just all guns blazing. Whatever they feel they have to do to beat Florida State. I I don't think this is the kind of opponent. And look, we've said we're not not high on Florida State yet. I think they're still a, a year away from 
from really contention. I have them going six and six to seven and five this year. You know, and it's going to be improved, but they're not going to be, they're not going to look like the Florida State of old this year. Yeah. But they're still a good enough opponent to where you can't just say, hey, we're going to run 25% of offense because we don't want to show the rest of the teams. Teams rarely do that, honestly, uh, when they're playing a power five opponents. You're going to see Notre Dame come out and be who they are and run their stuff. Now, there may right. be a trick play they're holding for Purdue or something like that, but but for the for the you're going to see if they're going to run tempo, you're going to see them run tempo. If they're going to be running RPOs, you're going to see them running RPOs. Um, you're you're going to see a lot of that right away because that's a game you you t- can't just show up and roll the ball out and beat the, win that game. You got to play well. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the thing about the way we believe the offense is going to run, it's not a necessary. It's not a matter of oh, there's some plays we're going to hold back. There's some things. It, it an RPO philosophy is. You're you're running. I mean that that's what you run. You know what I mean. It's not like you've got mm-hmm. you know plays that you're not going to run. You're going to it's 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 more of a a flow offense. It's it's this is what we're doing, and you're doing what the defense gives you, and, and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I mean of course there's going to be some wrinkles and some things that they're not necessarily going to put out there. But I think it's going to be like you said. I think they're gonna they're gonna run the offense the way that they would run the offense in game eight. You know what I mean mm-hmm. or whatever as the season progresses. I mean there, there's no point. And just coming out and being vanilla, because uh, mm-hmm. that's that's not good for this team. Uh, there's too many. There's too many. Let me let me put it this way. There's too many pieces that you're breaking in to be big time parts of this offense to try to go to vanilla. In my mm-hmm. opinion, you know, I, 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 you have to go with it. Hey Vince, I just got a text from a source of mine who's been pretty accurate about this stuff in the past. Um, and he said that Kevin right now is a full go in workout, so like he is oh, not wow. being held back. And now again, I don't think that means he's going to sure look, this kind of injury. You don't put a guy out the first day of pads on and have him run, you know, the same amount of reps you would have, he right. wasn't injured, but from I what I'm told him into it, yeah. In summer workouts, there's nothing he's not doing workload wise, all that kind of stuff. So if that's accurate and this source is, is someone I've trusted in the past and I wouldn't be saying what he told me if, um, right. if he yeah, hadn't exactly. been accurate in the past, someone I trust. So he, uh, uh, and he's also someone who had given me some info on Kevin Austin not being 100% a year ago, and he wasn't. We found out later that he wasn't. So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit of a a little bit of a nugget. So, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely, Nolan. <laughs> this has been a tough week for the quote Notre Dame is irrelevant crowd. Uh, everyone is screaming Notre Dame needs to be in a conference. Not bad for a program nobody cares about. Yeah, I, I, I you know it. Funny. It is. It is kind of funny. It's like these people they want to. If Notre Dame doesn't matter, then why do you care if Notre Dame's independent or not? Exactly. I mean, you know, and it's like every time there's conference realignment, all these fans that are like, "Your conference doesn't matter." They're always like, "Well, you need to join a conference. Which one? Ours." Okay, well, if we don't matter, why do you want us in your conference? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, it's kind of hilarious. I got D-Rock down here. has got one, Vince. <laughs> one, RPOs, check. Two, expand formations and packages, check. Three, schematically, more motion routes, check. Bingo, Brian. Indy has the personnel and depth to do it. Let it rip. And I think he's absolutely correct. I mean – I feel like he was taking notes like this was a master yeah. class. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So and then, by the way, there's a co- no one no one committed today. So um, there's a discussion. I at least that I know of. I don't know that anyone's committed. I've kind of done a little bit of looking. I don't see anyone that had committed. So I uh, I don't think that's going on right now. Let Let's see this. Uh, Bruce Scherer don't want it to happen. But if Brian Kelly would have an illness or injury and be out for an extended time, who would be the interim head coach? 
my guess would be Mike Elston. Now, that was technically, be my guess as well. Brian Polian's the uh, you know the associate head coach, but I would be shocked if Brian Kelly put Brian and Polian in charge of this program. Uh, that would not be received well by a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, yes, I agree. I, I I don't see how it wouldn't be Elston. I mean, yeah. He's the most senior guy. He's the guy that's been with Brian Kelly. And he's best capable of doing it. I mean, he commands more respect. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think you're down a lot further than I am. Yep. Uh, Uh, Andrew Goss says uh, spacing makes more favorable matchups and better run lanes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. hundred percent. Now spacing isn't the only way you can, you can also create running lanes with numbers. And that's a lot of times what 12 personnel brings to you, depending on how you use it, Vince, you can gain a leverage or a numbers advantage on one side. And it doesn't have to be at the snap. A lot of times it's, you know, you line up with the tight end, you know, balanced tight ends, but then you pull two guys to that to that three-man side, and all of a sudden now you have numbers. So you can create spacing that way, but I've always felt the best way to create spacing, especially in a zone scheme, is by – or excuse me, the best way to create run lanes in a zone concept is with spacing. Right. And And, you know, there's multiple ways to get that. But yes, I, I do think that is that is very important in my opinion. While we were doing the football 101, uh, I assume that is when this came through. Larry uh, says, much like freshman year, I got lost in a 101 course. <laughs> Sorry about that, Larry. <laughs> this makes me laugh. Yeah. D-Rock's got one down here, Vince. I uh, see that. Yep. I've, yep. I, if you want to go and read that yep. one. You got it. It says he got, I may have missed this, but any word on Sebo's status for the season? If not, when do you think we will hear about his status with Notre Dame? Oh, I, okay. I really, yeah. I, I see. My understanding is he's good to go. Yeah. I, so forgot, I, I completely I, forgot yeah. about that whole situation. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, what's wrong Again, with Sebo? Don't hold me to that, but the latest intel I got was that there's not going to be any punishment from a game standpoint i think he's going to have some internal punishment you know and um i don't believe this is something that's been an issue for sebo in the past and that's usually taken into account when these kind of things happen is is this kid been in trouble before right i don't right. know of any other instances where sebo's gotten in trouble so i think yep. that that you know he made a mistake he's gonna there's gonna be consequences but not every consequence should or will be games you know uh in, in my opinion that's just that's just my two cents I think that's it, Vince. I think we are. Uh, yeah. I think we're good to go. I think so, so too. Yeah. So I, look, it's been a fun show. I appreciate y'all joining us. I think this is a good way to kick off the week. We'll be back again tomorrow, Vince, one o'clock. We'll talk more Notre Dame football. Uh, make sure that you give us a like before you leave. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Make sure that you uh, hit the notifications bell. Share our podcast or our videos with people. If you're listening via podcast, please give us a five-star review. And please sign up for the Irish Breakdown message boards. And if you have already signed up, you're paying money to be on the message boards. Let's talk, right? Let's engage (laughs) things. Ask questions, right? Don't be afraid to like, you know, I don't know if I want to ask. You're paying money to be on our site. That means you're paying to have access to us especially me because I don't have five kids and another job. This is my job. (laughs) So Vince isn't always going to be there. But ask questions. And and, and look, be honest with you, on the message board, I'm going to be a little bit more prone to give certain intel that I wouldn't in in a public forum. So so bring it up. Just bring it up. Let's talk. Let's discuss. Let's dive into all these types of things and uh, and really get this bad boy going. So we're excited to do that. But uh, for Vince Dare, I'm Brian Driscoll. Everybody have a great, safe rest of your day. Had a lot of good feedback about the World War II, although one customer said 
he was upset with us because he didn't listen to the podcast until late on Friday. And so by the time he got done listening to our four hour podcast, he was so fired up. He went and watched like two hours worth of world war two movies. So he went to bed really late and then he was kind of lethargic on Saturday. So that was put on us. That's so great. I well, own that. I I'll apologize for that. Uh, and I did tee up on Amazon prime that uh, man in the high castle or whatever it is. I yeah. am going to try to watch that a little bit this week. See if I like it or not. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it, to be honest with you, but first season's really we'll good. I, we'll I don't see. know that it stays up there. First season's good. Yeah. Though. Yeah, we'll see. So anyway, everybody have a great, safe, awesome rest of your day, and we will talk to you again very, very soon.